Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Spurs in full cry here. Welcome, listeners, to the Extra Inch. My name's Wendy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Wendy. And our tactics guy and the mole of the Extra Inch, <laughs> the man who always snitches on us. It's Nathan A. Park. Hello, Nathan. What sound do moles make? I need to make like a, a squeaky, rustling... Digging, digging sound. How do I replicate a digging sound? <laughs> or, or, or instead, you could make the noise that Harry Winks makes. <laughs> What's the noise that Harry Winks make? Oh, you uh, think he's the mole? That's the boy you're making. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the noise he's make was what was it? it was... I think it will be really tactical. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh god, no. Do you think he is the mole? Uh, I think the several players on the mole. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like the goat from uh, Spurs Community, the ITK thing. Mm-hmm. There's like several people are the goat. He's anonymous, you know. An anonymous, yeah, um, yeah pseudonym yeah. that actually represents multiple people. That's it. So the mole is actually like half the squad. Maybe, maybe a third. It's probably Sacramento oh, as yeah. well. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's an inside man. It's <laughs> getting very line of duty. Um, how you doing, buddy? I'm pretty good, Wendy. How are you? No, we never ask you how you are. How are you, Wendy? I'm really well, thank. I had just had a lovely walk in the in the in the British summer sunshine, um, and it's like twenty degrees. I want to say today, nineteen twenty degrees, um, which is yeah, quite surprising. It's it's really beautiful outside, um, and it was it's it's lifted my spirits no end. Um, but I really enjoyed the newsletter, the latest one, which is going out this evening. Yeah, I'll send it out after this. It was, um, yeah, I've mentioned before about being able to take Tottenham a month at a time. And obviously this came after being knocked out of the Europa League. So it was very much, where do we go? Where do we go from here? Like Tottenham in general. And I just thought with everybody talking about Nagelsmann and everything else, it'd be nice to do a um, a German themed one and let talking around the subject of Nagelsmann. So myself, um, Ewan and Vince, who are great writers... Um, not me, they are, they're great writers, we decided to have a look at Spurs' links with Germany, and obviously that brought up Klingsman, that brought up um, Das Reboot, which is um, something that um, 
Vince explored about possibly mm. rebooting Tottenham because, um, like, like Germany in the in the early two thousands were going through an identity crisis. They didn't quite know who they were, and it kind of resonates with modern day Tottenham. So he had a look at that, and um, Ewan, because he's he's like that, went back and explored a game we played against Cologne in nineteen ninety five, and it was, um, you know, I, I I know the result. Many people might know the result, but the kind of history and what led up to that game and why we ended up in Germany that summer playing that match it's it was a very you and peace and it was a great piece and um yeah i i really i'm really happy with this newsletter it is it's a banging piece on the intertoto cup uh, hmm. i hadn't realized that steve carr played in that game he obviously yeah. went on to become a, a genuinely excellent spurs spurs player the only other one who's um Name I remember as a sort of half decent Spurs youth player was was Dee Slade, who at one point was very highly rated as a striker. Went to QPR and then nothing became of him at all. Jamie Clapham actually, to be fair, had a pretty mm. good career, didn't he, for Ipswich, and he played in that game as well. Um, Chris Day was in goal. He went on to. I think he's still knocking around, isn't he? I think you're right. I think he's he, he plays with Stevenage. I think now he played for Watford for many years, didn't he? Mm. Yeah, at one point he was quite highly rated. No, great stuff, Bardi, as ever. Um, and Nathan, your video with Chris Summersell was just a delight. Mm. I mean, I was going to say thank you, but that's not really appropriate because it was it was all Chris. Um, I was I would just had front row seats to a an off the cuff hour long uh, masterclass presentation on on automations, coaching automations, the challenges of coaching automations, benefits of coaching automations, what they look like in in theory, what they look like on the training ground, what they look like in matches. Um, yeah, shout shouts to Chris S again. And um, the the funny thing is, um, I watched that video and then I was watching Italy and they did exactly the same maneuver mm. and it was just like, oh, there you go. So um, someone's copying who? I don't know. I don't know. Well, maybe maybe Mancini's copying Chris. Was it the 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 maneuver that Chris was training with his team? Kind yeah, of the one that upset number eight assistant, deep. Yeah. yeah, the one that upset his assistant manager <laughs> or the <laughs> assistant amazing. coach. Yeah, <laughs> he was really gesticulating. Very Latin. Mm, very Latin. Um, so there's no football matches, no Spurs matches to discuss. Uh, so we, we asked the good people of Twitter what they'd like us to talk about. And the good people of Twitter said they want TV show chat. So um, M. Uden and Tom Middleton, Tom Riddleton, as he calls himself, um, wanted us to talk about TV shows. Bardi, what have you been enjoying on the on the telly box? Well, the, as many of you will know, I've been trying to move house for, for half a year and um, I've been working my way through a mountain of design catalogues and I really got into interior design masters and um, season two was an absolute banger. It was hosted by Alan Carr. They changed up the format and it became very, very addictive. And um, yeah, I've, I've, I've realized I'm, I'm very much of a bohemian Scandi style when it comes to decoration. I'm just I'm just not into maximalism, which I, I didn't even know was a word until I started watching this show. Nice. What, what have you been watching, Nathan? Well, I, I, I've been following the, the X-Subs Discord trends. So I watched uh, WandaVision. Uh, which, which is all right. It's it's interesting, right? Yeah, it's it's like an unusual show, if nothing else. Uh, so uh, the the context of this is that I'm I'm not someone who's who's very into to Marvel films, to superhero films, to to big budget CGI films. Um, but because that sort of side of things doesn't begin to, and this is sort of a spoiler already right off the bat, I guess, but it's also kind of obvious because that doesn't really begin to show until sort of the latter half of, is it nine episodes, 10 episodes? 
maybe less than that. Something along those lines. Uh, it just begins to show sort of till later on. Um, it, it draws you in with a sort of a, a sort of an interesting kind of mystery, um, mm-hmm. which is fun. And then as it moves over to sort of more classic Marvel, I did lose some interest. Um, yeah. But because of sort of the investments made earlier on, when I was watching the sort of big CGI explosion show, I did have some interest in it, which is, you know, better for me than than any superhero film since uh, Nolan's Batman trilogy. Yeah, no, I, I completely I completely agree with you there. I liked the, the TV show pastiche way of kind of getting you into the show. It was really clever, really nicely made, and then it made the, uh, the payoffs all the better. Um, and then you started watching Succession as yeah. well, which Bardi and I have both watched and adored. Just finished season one last night. Good fun. So I I misunderstood it. I I thought it was um I thought it was a comedy, and the discussion around it was very comical, which I which I understand. Um, and I and I saw it. I think it was on Wikipedia or IMDb. It was listed as a tragic comedy. So I was going in expecting a lot of laughs. Um, and then was kind of like, <laughs> that's not what I got from the first episode. But it was sort of intriguing. I thought I'd push you. I thought it might get funnier. There are funny moments, obviously, and there is sort of a um, a ridiculousness to it all. Yeah, um, yeah, that's it. But it's it, a comedy isn't the right term. But it's 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 uh, damn. What is it? It's it's interesting. <laughs> it's uh, it's fun. Yeah, I mean, I guess it, in some ways it is a dark comedy. Um, but you're right. There's no there's no sort of laughs. It's not it's not something you sit and cack at. You're just cringing and yeah. and uncomfortably trying to sort of wriggle into the back of your seat and cover your eyes because it's unbelievably cringeworthy. It's so well put together. The, it's so cleverly written. Um, it made some amazing twists and turns. But the characters are just insane. Mm-hmm. Absolutely insane. But it's, it's an amazing. But I think show. like I love it. You can have insane characters and do insane characters, and that's sort of value in its own. But like these people exist right not not yes, these people by yes. these names but the, this is an accurate betrayal of this side of the yeah. world and that is why showing the insanity of these people in in their full light is where the value is because you can just do like crazy local people and that's not necessarily anything of, of a particular value but this is yeah this is um this is kind of like god <laughs> this is like the sort of the the reports you hear about the when people like members of the white house especially under the trump administration but either side of that also when you hear about sort of the leaks about things going on and sort of the embarrassing childish behavior of individuals in these super super high stake situations and it's sort of this is this is that sort of enacted into into drama uh, and yeah, really well done. Or like closer to home, Boris Johnson. The stories about definitely. Boris Johnson's yeah. affairs recently. Yeah, it's very Dominic Cummings. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so I've been really enjoying the latest season of Last Chance You. Okay. Which I, I so I loved the first couple of series. I thought they were absolutely sensational. I thought it took a little bit of a dip, and this one, the first couple of episodes, because it's on basketball and not American football, it's different. And mm. I was thinking, like, the match footage just doesn't quite grip me in the same way as the American football did with the with the atmosphere and the sort of the music um, and then the game footage itself. But now I'm I'm sort of, I think I'm on the last episode now. Um, I'm completely hooked. Some of the best characters I've seen in the show so far, say characters, this is a documentary. <laughs> um, the coaching team are so unbelievably uh, fascinating as individuals. And I really like the way they mesh together as a, as a trio. And it's, it's 
superb. Bardi, you like Last Chance You as well, don't you? Yeah, I really like it. I think I haven't started watching the basketball version yet, but I think what what lends itself really well to the American football version is everything is that's it that one that one play you can sum up a whole narrative in it the quarterback yeah. gets it and he's got to make the throw he fails and then he's a disaster he's not <laughs> focused or the defender misses it or that but in basketball the game rather like football is much more fluid and that one mistake may not have a consequence until I don't yes. know half an hour later and that's the difference and I guess that's what you got to get your head around that not everything is explained in one move in the in the basketball footage that's absolutely true it's much more of a war of attrition in basketball yeah mm. yeah no it's really good and so the other show that i'm really into uh is is one that we've got a question on from greg jenner lovely greg jenner who says which spurs players would you want as the cast of taskmaster taskmaster is by far my favorite panel show i think it is it's absolutely brilliant um and I actually had quite a lot of fun going through our squad and thinking who would be fun. Buddy, are you familiar with the show Taskmaster? No, I, I'm not. But I I thought it was something like um, in Italy at the moment they have Isola dei Famosi, where Gaza has been stranded on an island and he has to do tasks. <laughs> Did you not know this? There's no. a celebrity <laughs> survivor. <laughs> So there's a, there's a TV show running at the moment in Italy where um, Francesca Totti's um, wife is the presenter. It's insane. I've never heard of this. They've chucked a load of um, celebrities onto this island. And I, I haven't watched it, but I've seen clips of it. And um, they've got to do tasks and win food okay, and stuff like that. Okay, so it's like a celebrity. Yeah, but 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 more like shipwreck. The old channel. Okay. Oh yeah, that was good. That was good. They're hanging out on a beach. <laughs> Gaza's there, and Jeez. he's speaking Italian. Well, he's trying to speak <laughs> Italian. It's it's insane. I, I I've tweeted a few things. I, I'll retweet a few more. But yeah, Gaza, right. Gaza's there. So I thought Taskmaster might be something like that, where you have to like um, kill an octopus. He, he was talking about trying to fish an octopus. So I, I thought it was that. I haven't seen Taskmaster, but there you go. Gaza's in reality TV in Italy. So it's much more frivolous taskmaster okay. it's much more silly and um and sort of yeah quick moving quick pace it's basically it's hosted by greg davis and alex horn who is uh, alex horn's a national treasure mm-hmm. he's absolutely incredible um but they they invent these silly tasks and games for a panel most mostly of comedians and then normally there's like one or two actors as well um and they have to sort of do it the best way but try and win the task but do it in, in an exciting or inventive or fun or whatever way and then greg davis scores them on how well they perform the task um and it's 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 great like they, the the lineups are always absolutely spot on they get the perfect blend of characters uh, nathan have you had a chance to think about which spurs players you'd like fulfilling tasks well the, the first one immediately eric lamella comes to mind his <laughs> oh, his, yes. his filthiness his um compulsion to win at any cost <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, when you get people like that like so if you're a celebrity and you're playing a silly game it's very easy to take it frivolously to not try but in taskmaster it's when they really want to win it's when they're prepared to cheat or not cheat but yeah. push the envelope or push the interpretation that is when taskmaster is at the best and i think eric lamella maybe eric lamella probably goes would go too far um but you know <laughs> just sort of minor acts of violence tripping other people over that kind of stuff um i think i think there's a really high potential there and and also his creativity and uh, that combination of, of creativity and um unnecessary <laughs> extremeness i think is why lamella would be a, a a perfect contestant i'm trying to think the, the thing the the harder end would be are we filling in yes yeah, the full cast of taskmaster so i actually think that Mourinho would be a really good 
Taskmaster, right? My yeah. issues with yeah. Mourinho, and obviously we don't want to go too deep into that this episode because we we do that every other episode, but are, are sort of like the the behaviours that come from sort of high tension situations. But I think in a diffused situation, like you see sometimes with him with the press, where things are more jovial, I think that you can see a much better side of him, and and he can he can do that thing that Greg Davies does so brilliantly, which is which is which is be mean for fun. And I think that he could really do that. I think um, if you think about what well, the intro that we use for straight off the training ground, where he's doing, he's handing out the yellow cards. That side of Mourinho, yeah. if you can bring more of that out on a regular basis, I think he, he's going to come across a lot better. So I think he could be Greg Davies. I think he could be the taskmaster. I don't know who Alex Horn would be. I don't think anyone is really close to him. No, he's such a unique personality. And he, I mean, the thing that makes him so good is that he comes up with the tasks mm-hmm. and he's invented the show and he's really, really clever, but he has to be completely deferential to, to Greg Davis in the in the show. And that's what makes him Not brilliant. just deferential, uh, like wholly subservient. Subservient, and, yes. Um, uh, more than that, it's degrading. He he writes <laughs> he writes himself as a, a highly degraded character, which I think is a an incredible thing to do as a, as a comedian. Yeah, it's really funny. Um, I, I did wonder if Joe Hart could perhaps fulfill elements of that role. Uh, he, he's kind of got the loyalness, hasn't mm-hmm. he? Um, but I like I I would think Delhi would make a fantastic Ooh. contestant. I sort of would see him in the Mawan Rizwan mold of just being like slightly aloof but really just like fresh and creative and and sort of not giving a shit about the show just doing his own thing i thought that would be quite funny um and then i had um larice just sort of getting angry at everything including the rest of the contestants hyper competitive like with very strong will to win at all costs i thought ndombele would be quite good as well Okay. I can't, can't just imagine Ndombele just doing everything with like a very natural flourish without really having to try. Yeah, I, th- I think I think we've now with Lamella and Delhi and then Ndombele, we've gone too heavy into the the creative. You need you need a straight man. You need you need Harry Winks there to sort of play yeah. it straight, play it down the middle, and 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 be made to uh, sometimes succeed as the others sort of fail in their recklessness and sometimes sort of be be trodden all over by their brilliance. You need you need the 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 sort of the clash there. You need Harry Winks, I think. And then maybe like a, a Huey Bierre or Sissoko to sort of bind the group together. <laughs> and or you know, there's always one person that's always like too supportive of the mm-hmm. other contestants to, to their own detriment. And I imagine that would be Huey Bierre or Sissoko. Have we have we done that well enough, Greg? I feel I feel like we've done a good job of of mapping out the cast of Taskmaster, which is just a brilliant show. Buddy, you'd love it. You'd absolutely love it. You should watch it from the start. It's really, really you've good. Got, you've got me interested now. I'm gonna I'm gonna dip in and see what see what is what. It's so much so fun. Good, um, jo- Joe Wilkinson is uh, one of the all time classics. That um, yeah, I won't spoil. <laughs> um, Scott Parker. Uh, I don't think it's me, Scott, Scott Parker. I think it's a pseudonym. <laughs> says, uh, have you talked about if Jose is the right man going forward? Has that been covered? I don't before? think we touched that. I mean, uh, no, we have generally been pretty quiet on that. So it's understandable if you've missed it. Um, <laughs> so, so may, I mean, probably don't need to cover it again. Uh, but one question on Jose before we do stop talking about him. This is from Barcelona Spurs, who says, do you have any sympathy at all for Jose, having essentially had very limited time on the training ground between games? How is he supposed to install a style of play when he gets maximum two full training sessions per week and most of those the players would not be 100 percent 
Short answer, yes. Sorry, partly I was trodden all over you. No, no, no. I, I, I'll take the short answer, yes. <laughs> give me, give me the longer one. No, I, I think I, I, I wondered what you two were going to say when I saw um, Nathan's mouth moving. I thought he was going to say no, but so it was a nice surprise to say <laughs> yes. I, I do think there is some sympathy. He hasn't had much time. There's been no preseason. He hasn't had a, uh, a proper time with the squad to go through anything. Um, I'm not sure if it would have helped though. That's 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 yeah. my concern. I think, yeah, I, I think Jose's best at churning stuff out when it, in these situations. And uh, yeah, I'm not sure whether a preseason would have would have helped us perf- like, perform any better. Feeling more sympathetic because we haven't lost this week. I think. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I feel like um, it's a yes and a no for me. Um, so he, I think it's completely the case that he's had very, very, very limited time on the training ground between matches this season. Our schedule has been horrendous. As it's very, you know, massively well documented that our schedule has been horrendous, worse than most other teams. But he did have um, before this season some substantial time, and then he had a, a gap of many, many months in order to plan stuff and implement stuff. And and I think you could argue that he didn't do that effectively. And the thing that I was reflecting on when I read through this question was, so we all kind of agree now that Mourinho is not really a philosophy manager. And maybe that's something that we didn't anticipate because with with the COVID scheduling and the Europa League scheduling, maybe it would be easier for a manager that trains a style or a philosophy rather than one who wants to sort of tweak things match to match and tends to rely on the players to join the dots more and maybe that has been one of the things that has has held him back somewhat but then part of me goes well when you see someone like Tuchel come in and just tactically and mentally completely transform that Chelsea team in a matter of weeks it does sort of show you how effective good coaching can be and that sort of makes me feel like I have less sympathy for Mourinho although I do think his schedule has been horrendous I'm not I'm not sure about that I mean Man City have their style of play which has been ingrained into them for a long long time and they haven't really had to introduce anybody new it's you know it's Stones even Cancelo who's been a, a revelation this year has been there already this is his second or maybe going into his third season definitely his second season so Man City have have a plan and this is how they play and everybody's everybody's on board with that and they're able to churn through the results. Man United, for better or worse, have a plan. Leicester City have a plan. So these these are three teams that haven't had to adjust at all. I think Chelsea, Tuchel's walked into a team where he has a he has an incredible midfield. He has forward options and he has a defence which is not, Zuma is not a bad defender. Rudiger is not a bad defender and he has a, a decent enough goalkeeper. So I think Tuchel's been able sounds to... Sounds like Spurs though, mate. That sounds literally like you've just described Chelsea like I would describe us. Incredible no, midfield and forward options. Good, mm, reasonable goalkeeper. Reasonable defence. Chelsea's midfield is far, far better than us. The, the combination of Jorginho, Mount, Kovacic, Kante, those guys are... Pretty much every single Chelsea midfielder walks into our team. Like, I'll fight you for that one. I believe, I truly believe that their midfield is incredible. So I think Chelsea are a lot lucky. West Ham have uh, been kind of soldiers of fortune, where one game a week has kind of worked their way. But I, I'm hoping now with one one game a week, Spurs can and with our best eleven out there, I'm hoping we can make a late charge for the top four. I, I fully believe that we we will push top four. We might not make it, but we'll give we'll give Chelsea a good run for their money. So this is this is the thing, isn't it? We now we are 
having one game a week. It'll be really fascinating to see what Mourinho does during this <laughs> period of the season, whether we see sort of um, uh, a tactical style emerge uh, or, or some differences at least emerge. I mean, there are, I think there are a couple of things that he's done pretty well on this season. I'll give him some credit on. Uh, I, the first one really is set pieces, where I I had lost hope in a manager devoting any time to attacking set pieces, and he did, and we saw us score goals from them, and that was that was really pleasing. I, I was really genuinely delighted to see us start to train set pieces. Dropped off a little uh, more recently. Yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true. Uh, and the other thing I think is... The f- it happened a bit later than I wanted, but integrating Ndombele into central midfield. I mean, I think it needed to happen. It did happen. I'm happy that's happened. So I'll, I'll give him some credit for, for those couple of things, but there's no like discernible style, like other than like occasionally low block and counter. Yeah, they're, they're, when he first arrived, it felt like maybe he was attempting to have the ball is, is sort of the simplest shortest version of this press the opposition high and have possession and then in the last month not even that um again that same idea it's all through the middle period right not the very beginning yeah. and not just recently where it's been yeah it's been the style of playing for immediacy and i still have some sympathy for the lack of training time because it's still going to undermine you, you know your small changes um, yeah. But like, yeah, other than other than right now and back then, there hasn't been something that is being worked towards. I def- there is like there is definitely um, a very uh, sympathetic sort of interpretation of Mourinho's entire time at the club, which is when he first arrived, he wanted to change his style completely and, and play proactive football and then the pandemic happened and he realized instantly that the best thing to do was to play reactive football and he saw the end of last season out well with it and then he started this season well with it and now teams are getting fit again since the turn of the year and proactive football's coming back in he's starting to push that way yeah i i I don't hold it against anyone who sees things that way i just i (laughs) i i i feel like the it would have been so much better for him to sort of stick to his guns and try to, you know, open up new areas of his game in ways that managers basically haven't done before. You know, he's trying to like really sort of push the threshold on what managers can do in the modern game. If that's his goal, he needs to let go of the short term and he should have been attempting to play more um, philosophical was such a fucking <laughs> wanky way of thinking about football, but more more it's short, short hands, though, isn't Yeah, it? that when yeah. I, when when people say philosophy, they mean they mean proactive, they mean um, stylistic. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I, we're at a point right now where I think things are a little bit up in the air again with with what his approach is and who he wants to be. Um, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but I have some sympathy for the lack of training time, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. So that is that is the Mourinho segment for this podcast. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna leave him there. Um, this one's a good one from uh, Leonard Cova, who says, "Which Spurs players have you changed your opinion on most dramatically in your time watching Spurs?" I'll start. I thought Giovanni dos Santos mm. was the bollocks, and I watched our preseason games that summer. Also thought Danny Rose was an average winger who would become an average left back. Thank you, Leonard. Um, I actually I looked back for a bit of a laugh on um, my tweets about Giovanni dos Santos from the time um and i found one from 2011 where i said someone someone explained to me why dos santos keeps getting chances ahead of our young players 
very uh, me. I think you'd agree. <laughs> I was probably annoyed that Andros Townsend was, wasn't getting chances and Dos Santos was at that point. Um, I, I mean, I've definitely got a couple of players that I've I've got very wrong, but um, go on, Bardi, you go first. No, I, I mean, I got quite excited by Tarap when he first blew onto the scene. He was he was doing incredible things. His, I think it was his debut against Derby where I'd never seen... I'd never seen a footballer have such control of the ball and just be able to glide past um, midfielders. And I honestly thought he was he was destined for some, some for like a great great career. I mean, his his career has been fine. He still did some big things, but I thought he was insane. I, I think it was even a quote from Berbatov who said that he he was destined for greatness. So I I, I threw a lot of time in on Tarapt and Huddleston was a player that I I loved. I loved, I loved his, Huddleston too. Just his silkiness, his vision, and you know, I think he gets unfairly criticised because he, he was a bit of a unit. But he, if we had, I think if we had built a team around him, perhaps he could have been this kind of deep sitting um, playmaker. He could have been great. But yeah, those are the two players that when I first saw them break through or first start appearing for Tottenham, I th- I thought they were going to be great, but they they never really did it. But a player that I thought was awful, but actually turned out to be pretty decent for us, was Asil Kotu. I thought he was a terrible, terrible left back, but he he was actually pretty solid for quite some time. Nice. How about you, Nathan? Oh, loads of them. I'm just thinking about Tarabd now because it, he um hmm. he's an interesting people, especially men, <laughs> mature at different ages, and this might be an unfair reading. And this is the kind of thing that I, I blame other people for doing for sort of reading too much into guessing too much about players' mental side of the game. But the feeling with Tarabd is that. He's 31 now. Around the time he was turning 30, he's at Benfica and he turned a stone and he began trying and applying himself and putting in the defensive work and putting his team first and playing less selfishly. And he's sort of, he, he has, he has sort of not realized his potential, but, but realized himself as a professional, a reliable professional footballer at Benfica, but he's, He's towards the tail end of his career. And yeah, it is again, it's another sort of what could have been. And I know it's really interesting, but I think that, you know, you can, you can try and yell that stuff into a, to a young man as much as you want. Sometimes it's just not going to happen until, until they get to a certain age, which for him is, is way too late. He's a, he's a good, he's a, even a really good player for Benfica now. Um, he, he could have been incredible for us for teams bigger and better than us at the time that he came through um but this is the career that he had instead so, you know that's just that's just the way it goes so who did i get wrong bloody everyone man you know um i i remember being a little frustrated at the wanyama signing um and i i i not because i completely misread him as a player because i did think that he was going to be sort of limited on the ball but that we managed to find a way around that by by moving to a back three um i was excited for vincent jansen thought he was he was gonna be really <laughs> really good for us um i thought i be- i sort of i i bought into what newcastle fans said about sissoko which is that he's this incredible mercurial talent who just doesn't try hard enough which is the exact opposite of what he is the reason right newcastle fans and 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 fans generally because of his time at newcastle they saw him as this player who was really good you know, on on sort of prime time Sunday against Man United, against Chelsea, but never bothered against, you know, mid-table clubs. He was too lazy. What it clearly is, looking back on that now, is that he was a decent player on the counter with space to run into, but you can't trap a ball <laughs> in a tight <laughs> bit of space. That's why he looked like he didn't try. Yeah. 
It's because yeah. it wasn't the right setting for him. When when he could counterattack against us, right? When he's got space to run into, especially when he was a little younger than he is now, a little fresher, he looks brilliant because he can. He he's an incredible athlete. He can carry the ball. He's got a bit of a dribble on him once he's had five touches preceding the dribble, right? But you ask him to sort of play more back and forth football, and that's where he struggles. So I don't know. All the time, all the time, we get players wrong. That's that's that uh, because they change, and then you're not really wrong, right? But but people develop in different ways. Again, like to Rabd, who was going to predict that he would only realise himself at age thirty? You 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 can't really tell. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I mean, I, I would say I've got one player very badly wrong though, and that is Musa Dembele. Sure, I was all for us selling Musa Dembele to Sunderland when he was linked to them. All for it. Like I, I'd completely given up on him being um, a, a useful component in our midfield. I just thought he was nothing. I didn't know what he brought. And then you see what he can bring, and you're like, oh my god, I'm such an idiot. Why was I not focusing on the things he could do rather than the things he couldn't do? I, I think that's very harsh on himself. I think when he first arrived, uh, his first season under VS Boas, he looked phenomenal, and then he massively dropped off for what, like four years, three years. I think he was just carrying a, a hip injury. He couldn't deal like much like the hip injury I'm dealing with. This plagued me long term. I'm finally getting over now, and I think that he looked like. A a second-rate version of himself because he was a second-rate version of himself. And again, like to wrap emotionally maturing at age 30, if a player is suffering with an injury for two-plus years and has shown no sign of, of development around it, it's completely reasonable to assume that that is how they're going to be until suddenly they aren't because... because Pochettino comes in with a more physically intensive style of play and, and maybe more modern and more up-to-date physios and Jesus Perez being really strong in that area and deals with his hip injury and builds some strength there and un- unlocks the player that he was that we saw a bit of during his first season at Spurs. So it's the same thing over and over again. I, I don't think it's fair. It's... it's <laughs> Okay, if you if you uh, if you're a Sith and you deal in absolutes, <laughs> and you say this player is 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 dog shit, and then he's not, then yeah, you're wrong. But I think when you're like, oh, I don't feel like Dembele is going to work out for us, I don't think that's wrong, right? It, it doesn't materialize in that way, but it's it's not unreasonable. This is this is how footballs are, and this is why sort of predicting. Uh, and 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 recruiting talent is such a tricky thing because players aren't just these constants. Players aren't the quality they are next week <laughs> may have no relation to the quality they were yeah, the this week is, before. This is the thing. This is the thing, isn't it? And as I've got older, I've re- appreciated that you have to take a more long term view on players. You can't just sort of make a snap judgment and stick with it. Uh, and this same like on with Lucas playing well now, people are now saying, well, we should keep Lucas and, and build our team around him next year. He's no, no, we've seen what Lucas is over the last two, what, three years. He's not someone you, you build a squad around. He's just not. Um, I mean, one player I will apologize to and say that in hindsight, in retrospect, now I've seen the replacements that I should have given a bit more credit to at the time is Kieran Trippier, who don't get me wrong, not my kind of player generally, but like clearly just a functional right back and so much more functional than the right backs we've got now. And I, I appreciate him so much more in hindsight. So go, go on, Nick. <laughs> I requested an apology uh, from you on Kieran Trippier <laughs> when he shortly after he first moved to Atleti. Is, is that is that on offer now? You can have it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've got it. You played the long game. You got it. <laughs> Uh, Bardi going back to some youngsters has just got my brain racking and Reto Ziegler was one that briefly I oh, had yeah. very high hopes for 
Um, Jonathan Blondell, who looked really classy in his few appearances and then nothing. But also, when Bankrupt Spurs and I used to go and watch the youth team at, at Spurs Lodge, the player who we absolutely loved and stood out time and time and time again. Well, well, I think I know. I think I know who this is. Go on. I, go on. Was it Yannick Kammerman? Was it? No, no, no. It was Yasser Kassim. Yasser Kassim. Sorry. That's, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that yeah, who I, you were thinking of? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we did was, have a youngster called Yannick Kammerman. Yeah, well. yeah, we did. Yeah, we had yeah, Kammerman, who's a striker. Uh, Yasser Kassim was. That's I mean, it. you mentioned Huddleston. He's a little bit of a Huddleston type midfielder, like really bulky, amazing technique and range of passing, and he ended up. At Swindon and then lower leagues, basically, you know, nowhere near sort of Premier breaking into the Premier League at any point. And uh, that was a shame because he looked so good under 18 level and I was absolutely convinced that he was going to be a star. You um, you used to be in tears about Milos Velkovic. Mm-hmm. Oh, mate. Yeah, he was so good. At Spurs, he was so good, so promising. And then uh, he, he didn't get chances at Spurs and he fell out with the club because of that. Uh, he wouldn't sign a contract. They wouldn't send him out on loan until he signed a contract as a standoff. He ended up going to Werder and has become a very competent Bundesliga centre back. Uh, he plays most weeks, so yeah. I mean, there was some there was some money we lost out on there with Elkovich, but perhaps he wasn't as good as um, I, I, I thought he might be at one point. He looked like a, a superb ball playing centre back at one point. That was fun. That was a really fun question. Thank you, Lennon. Um, next up is from Philip Darbacy, who says, "Was Dyer ever good?" No, I was. <laughs> I was thinking of bringing up Dyer for players who you got I got wrong because there was a period of time where he looked so uh, able on the ball, like he was really developing as a centre mid. I remember especially a game for England. Um, was it again? It was against Slovakia, maybe, where he looked like one of the best <laughs> passing midfielders I've ever seen, lifting the ball over the top and all that kind of stuff. And now he's this centre-back who's not even good on the ball. Sorry, I, inter- I've, I interrupted a lot this episode. <laughs> Read the question. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. And it was interesting in Chris's video that he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, with you. Um, you see a snippet of Dyer playing in midfield, looking really nimble, mm-hmm. like bursting past opposition midfield players. Uh, and he, he looks like a different body shape now completely. Yeah. He's just put on so much muscle weight. Uh, I, I guess because that was to aid his transition to becoming a centre-back. But yeah, I, he's really... So if you think about Declan Rice, for example, uh, a, a player that people were, weren't sure whether it was going to be a defensive midfielder or a centre-back, Dyer's become like the anti-Declan Rice in that Rice has become a proper ball-playing midfielder who can get up and down the pitch and is really nimble. And Dyer's just become stodgy really stodgy and in my opinion slightly overweight if anything like too much muscle um and it's just gone backwards Bardi, do you think dyer was ever good i mean he he certainly had quite the introduction he scored um and he scored a goal opening day from right back from right back he showed he you know he he turned up and he was he was even though he was slim he was still a bit chunky but he did have a bit of a bit of touch and a bit of um a bit of class about him. I think I blogged early on that um, I saw him as possibly becoming like Ard De Rossi, who could drop into a back three and then move into a centre midfield. And I had a lot of hope for him, but he never he never learned to deal with a ball sailing over his head, and he still can't deal with it now. And that was that was his fault. And some players, it's just not meant to be. He, I, I, you know, he remains a a mid level Premier League player. And, you know, that's an incredible, incredible career to have. Sometimes we're really harsh on these players, but 
Being a yeah. mid-level Premier yeah. League player is a, is quite the achievement, and England international, etc., etc. So, yeah, unfortunately, he never he never made it. But was he ever good? He was a he was a prospect, and sometimes prospects they don't they don't mature into a great player. Yeah, I, I'm I'm thinking now and thinking about how I felt about it now. Thinking about that clip, I don't. I'm thinking I was thinking that he plateaued, but I'm I'm now thinking that he regressed. Um, and maybe that's the muscle weight. Maybe it's more mental. Maybe it's more circumstantial, or a mix of all of those. Um, but yeah, I, I think he was. I think he was quite a bit better than he is now. Uh, whether that means that he can sort of return to that that kind of side of thing, I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, he was more nimble, and I think that nimbleness is is the thing most desperately missing from his game yeah, right now. He's he looks so it, plodding it? and so heavy footed and so off balance half the time, so slow to act. That's it. I think slow turn. Yeah, and I, I think he began to look a little sharper early this season. That might have more to do with sort of you know the the global fitness issue and, and everyone coming yeah. down to his level. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think that he should be looking to shed more muscle weight and, 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 you know, do some, some gymnastics in his spare time or whatever. <laughs> or just go to Burnley. Or increase the flexibility in his neck so he can look <laughs> up. He's like Batman. He's like Batman. He can't look left, right or up. <laughs> so this one is from... <laughs> Why can't Batman look up? His, his because his like <laughs> like still, it's like it's sewn into his traps. It's like mm. so it's you can't turn his 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 bat. So that's head. why he that's why he stands on buildings and has to look yeah. down. Everything. Yeah, he has to look down. Yeah, because of his flawed suit. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Uh, this one is from Ben Bowman, who says, Since Sherwood, Spurs have been a young side of blossoming talents. It used to boggle the mind how young Ericsson, Kane, Delhi, etc. were. Now they come to 30, what happens next? Do we hang on a year? Is there a new generation? If so, who's coming in? And if you keep a spine of the current lot, who? And I had a bit of a reflection on this one as well, because I, I keep a spreadsheet of our players because I'm a nerd, but also because it allows me to track our young players who sort of young players move clubs a lot. Some of them stay with clubs for years and years, years, but some move clubs a lot. And so I kind of keep an eye on who's still there at different tournaments and things. And from doing that, I've noticed that this has been sneaking up on us for the past few years. And it's it's really pretty stark now in terms of the top heaviness of the age profile in the squad. And I was thinking like, 
who am I to say whether it's better to have a young squad or an old squad in terms of winning stuff? But one thing I'm pretty certain on is that from a sort of financial sustainability perspective, it's definitely better to have a young squad or a younger squad. Um, and so from that alone, in my view, we do need to focus on, on clearing out some of the players in their late 20s and 30s over the next two transfer windows. So if we look at the ones who are 27 or older, if I just read out a list of names... Dyer, Kane, Davis, Aurier, Lucas, Son, Lamella, Dotti, Gazaniga, Rose, Soko, Bale, Adverald, Hart, Larice, all 27 or older. Um, Rose, Soko, Bale, Adverald, Hart, and Larice are all over 30 or over. That's not, we've not been used to that over the past few years. It's, it's, it's quite shocking how it's just snuck up on us and suddenly become an issue. Does it worry you, Bardi? Are you concerned about the age profile or do you just think, whatever, we can deal with it? I think I think there's a couple of factors in this. I think our our improvement and our kind of our success it is meant that players haven't had to move on. So we we haven't had we haven't had our best players poached from us. There's been no Berbatov, Carrick, Gareth Bale being being taken from us by teams in the Champions League because we're in the Champions League. So that's led to us retaining a lot of players. Like for example, Kane would have gone ages ago. Delhi would have gone ages ago. Ericsson would have gone ages ago had we not had consistent Champions League football. So I think us being relatively successful has meant that our squad has aged. And then it comes back to the the old problem that we seem unable to to sell players. And I just think it just becomes such a it's almost like a sign of weakness for for so many uh, so many fans that when you sell to your rivals, it means that you're a weak team. When we sold Kyle Walker, that was that was a good bit of business. That was fifty million pounds on a player. And I just think our inability to to sell players at their peak has meant that we're now with a aging squad and nobody wants to buy them. Mm-hmm. Nathan. How are you feeling? Are you are you concerned about the age profile? Do you think it's um, is it something to do with Mourinho wanting players of a specific age, or mm-hmm. how, how do you feel? Why why are we in this? Yeah, position? you know how early you said right. We're not going to talk about Mourinho anymore. We're going to leave that. Um, we have to like that is a big part of it. This the last summer we bought how many players aged twenty eight and above? Six. Not quite that high, but no. Hart Bale, Doherty. So Huey Bier is 25. Okay. I think that's a read. Right, that's right. fine. But, yeah. you know, for. It's, it's, it's partly to do with who we didn't shift as well, though. Of course it? it is. And, and that, that obviously goes deeper than Mourinho, 100%. But what I'm saying is that, like, the player. <laughs> where is, like, okay, you might have players aging in your squad that you might want to move on. If you. If the players you're bringing in are younger than them, there's there's some turnover. What you're doing there. Yeah. Especially when the likes of players you're bringing in are Hart and. Maybe it's still a little harsh to put Doherty in with that, but you know, players who are immediately in with the lot of the older players you want to get rid of, there's just not that turnover. And, and this, this is again stuff that we said before, stuff that we wanted to not go over too much in this episode. But he's he's a win now manager who's brought in a bunch of win now players and he's not winning now, yeah. right? And now, what do you do with those players? Um, he if he's with us next season, because if we get top four and he's with us next season, you know, I can't really, especially if we win the League Cup 2, I can't put up too much of a fuss. I have to sort of buy into the next season. But what we can't do is say, oh, okay, you got top four. Please allow Jorge Mendes to tell us who we're buying this summer. <laughs> we have to, we have to buy the players. There has to be some negotiation back and forth. He has to say, okay, I need a centre back. Okay, I need a right back. What type of right back, etc. But we have to be the ones to go out and buy the players. And we have to buy younger players. We have to buy you know upcoming talents not 
spend 60 million on his sort of immediate 27 year olds players who who are meant to immediately win things right now i'm I'm gonna push back a little bit on nathan hicks i think um i think joe hart fair enough that was a bad signing but maybe joe he so he saw something in joe that could inspire the changing room um so he's old doherty is bizarre we thought we were getting a a proven right back in it Proven Premier League right back and it hasn't worked out like that. But Region, Hjoiberg, um, Mora, Vinicius, you know, they're all they're all pretty young. They're all twenty-five or under. So I think there has been a move towards slightly younger players. Can I shock you with Vinicius? <laughs> mm. So this is the other thing about having my, my age spreadsheet is I get to sort of put sort them in order of age. So Vinicius is older than Hjoiberg and only a year younger than Eric Dyer. That surprised mm-hmm. me a lot. So he's he's twenty six. Um, yeah, that surprised me. And also Joe Roden. So he is he's uh, Joe Roden is a little bit younger than Bergvine, but older than Carter Vickers and Foyt. That surprised me. We should me a bit play well. him, I reckon. <laughs> I suppose yeah. we have done recently. All right, probably around the age that he should be <laughs> yeah. played for sure. Um, let's let's carry on in this um, this talk of the squad because I think it's good. We had a, a good question from Connor Suckling who said, "Can you take us through what you would realistically like our twenty three or twenty five man squad of next season to be? Your ins and outs with as much realism as possible, under the assumption we won't have Champions League football." <laughs> So I, I went full I went full football manager. I went full football manager here and um just planned out what I would do. Um so shall I take you through my squad and see what you think? So this Go is on. my this is my squad for next season. Goalkeepers are Dean Henderson, who I, I think is really excellent. Lloris, because I'm thinking we'll have a handover season. And then my third goalkeeper is not Joe Hart. <laughs> um, I don't really have a preference. Uh, my fullbacks are Regulon and Sessignon on the left, and Tarek Lamptey and Jaden Bogle on the right. I think Lamptey would be an expensive player because he's English and he's young. He's young and he's English, buddy. Uh, but I think he's worth it. I think he's worth the money. And Bogle, I think we could get cheap because Sheffield United are going to go down and uh, and maybe he wants to send the Premier League. I think he's he's not yet 21. He's shown a lot of potential. I really like him. I think he's someone who could definitely cover the right-back role. Centre-backs, I would stick with Alderweireld, Tanganga and Roden. And I would try and sign Ben White, who I think is hugely promising, really good in the ball, would give us some sort of long-term um, cover for Alderweireld. Midfield, Ndombele, Huibier, Sabitzer and Skip, which I think has a really nice combination of abilities and talents. Forwards, I would want Son, Deli, Bergvine and Celso, so no changes there. And I would try and add Neto, who I think is going to explode <laughs> and become brilliant. And then strikers, I want Kane, I'm up for another season of Vinicius if we can get another loan or we can get him cheap. And then I'll just keep Dane Scarlett as the, the third striker. Is that Parrot back out on so, loan? So, uh, Parrot back out on loan. Yeah, so the, the the transfers I'm making in are Lamptey, Bogle, White, Henderson, Sabitzer, Neto, and then something with Vinicius. I think that's... I don't think that's... It's a lot. I don't think it's that it's a lot. If you don't have Champions League football, <laughs> yeah. my as much realism as possible is uh, we sell Kane's son, Deli and Dombele, and we bring Jesus. in Dayane Lovren on a two-year loan to buy. <laughs> <laughs> How many players in do you think realistically we can manage in one you summer? You can do up to five who you want to like be first-team players, and you can do an additional three who are going to be secondary and tertiary players 
And beyond that, you start to come into some significant problems. And it's the outs that's the issue. I think like there's so many players being sell. Yeah, even of those those sort of five who you want to be in and around the first team, they can't all be ones you expected to grow. So like if you buy but you buy Ndombele and La Celsa, right? They're meant to be first eleven players, but you know, especially with Ndombele, and as Pochino said, and as we've seen in reality, you won't actually really start hitting the ground to the year after. And then you can, and sure. then there's other players like Hoybier who you bring in and you know he's going to be first 11 by sort of game week five that's that's one of the reasons that i've targeted premier league players because I, I feel like that's much less of an issue when um you're signing within within the premier league um but yeah i mean i'm asking way too much there i appreciate but that's the kind of thing that i'd be be looking towards buddy any thoughts on um incomings or outgoings I think that's a pretty solid list, Wendy. I think you're living in fantasy <laughs> land, but I think it's I think it's a, a decent list, and I'd be on board with that. I mean, you've been in off Sanchez, but uh, oh, yeah, you, of, you I, do love you love Davinson, don't you? You're, you're keeping. Did you say you're keeping Dyer? No, Dyer's gone. Oh, okay, good. Uh, yeah, but you're keeping Toby, Alderweireld, uh, Tanganga, and Roden. I'd like back. to see how Sanchez and Roden get on for the rest of the season before. That's fair. Before we've been off um, Sanchez. That's fair. And what do you think? Do you think Neto is an achievable signing for a club like Spurs? Uh, I don't think we've got the money. Is he a Mendes player? Ooh, Let me look that, that up real quick. I think he's so good. Honestly, I think he's just going to be like the next young Premier League star that just goes to a big club and absolutely explodes and becomes incredible. I really think he's that good. Um, yeah, I'd love, I'd love us to go all out for Neto. And and I didn't include Bale in my list. This is the thing. Like, if 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 yes, we can't get Neto because he's sixty million, and we haven't managed to sell Sissoko, Lucas, Lamella, whatever. Then try for Bale for another year. That's that's that position covered, and save up save up your pocket money for Neto the year after. <laughs> so Neto is a Jorge Mendes player, which means that if Mourinho's sticking around, he's the kind of player that we could shift for less than he's <laughs> actually worth. And if we don't have Mourinho, he's going to cost us a hell of a lot more than I think you're expecting him to cost, especially if you're looking to spend money elsewhere. Fine, so, fine. So, so NATO is a is a, and this is still with just fantasy, but NATO would be a a, a, a Mourinho dependent <laughs> purchase, I imagine. Oh my god! Yeah. Okay. Okay. Look, we're going to end on this because Bardi's bullying me into it. I don't want to. I don't want to even read it out. But it's a question from Ned Cotton, who says, "Little, there is part of me." that once came to leave. He deserves better. We as a club are not good enough for him. I feel sorry for him. He can go with my blessing. Do you guys feel the same? No. No, I don't. No. <laughs> no. Come on, Ned. Come on, Ned, mate. Come yeah. on, get a grip, lads. Come on. He... <laughs> the, the, this, since this question has come in, there's been some, like, quotes and some some fear around Kane. Um, have some... Have some pride in your club. Have some confidence in in Harry Kane I think he genuinely I know I know as football fans we've had our hearts broken but I think that a lot of us are just so alien to the idea that we have to completely rule out the possibility that Kane enjoys being at Tottenham and I and I and everything so far has has shown us that he does I'm not going to say it's impossible that he leaves. I'm not going to say that things continue to go badly at Spurs. He gets some really good offers. He thinks he needs to win some trophies and he goes. I'm not saying that can't ever happen. But I think you have to start. We have to allow ourselves as, as Spurs fans to, to lay the foundation of he loves Tottenham. He loves being at Tottenham. He feels the same way about Tottenham that we do. And everything else is, is beyond that. You don't, you don't owe him anything. As a fan, you don't owe him letting him go, right? That's not how it works. Yeah. 
I, I agree with Nathan here. If um, if the devil walked up to me and said, Harry Kane does his cruciate ligament, but Tottenham go on to win the league in the Champions League, what would you rather happen? I, I'm sorry, Harry. Good, say goodbye to your <laughs> knee. I, I, I love Kane, but I love Tottenham more. And so, sometimes I get annoyed with these players. Oh, what a guy, what a leave to go play Champions League football. Put the ball in the net then, for fuck's sake. <laughs> In a semi-final, whack it in the back of the net. I don't think you can hold that one against Kane, though, because he like well, he's, he has turned them. up so many times. He has also gone missing occasionally, but that is really harsh on Kane. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna judge him, but I don't. I want Kane to win stuff at Tottenham, and if he doesn't want to win t- stuff at Tottenham, then goodbye. See you later. I don't, I don't care. Stop wasting my time. I want Tottenham to win games, and that if with Kane is there, great. If he's not there, then the club continue. I'm not gonna stop supporting Tottenham because Kane's fucked off because he wants to go stat pad in Germany. <laughs> Ned feels sorry for Kane. Let me let me offer you this, Ned. Right, I don't know what life you live now, but I'm going to offer you this other one, where you're a multi-millionaire who plays for the club that you love, and you're an incredibly talented footballer, and you don't win the Premier League and you don't win the Champions League, but you get to live that life. Is that one that you would accept, Barty? Is that one you would trade for the life you have now, Windy? Is that one you would trade for the one you have mm-hmm. now? It's it's a dream. Be, it's an absolute dream yeah. of life, and it's not maybe quite absolutely perfect in the way that the you know that Sky tells us he wants it to be. But it's a hell of a life, and I don't think that anyone <laughs> listening to this podcast should feel sorry for the for the incredible life that Harry Kane is living. Agreed. I think also, like sure, so Kane could go to Man City or Real Madrid or Paris Saint Germain or Bayern Munich and win multiple trophies. But that's, he wouldn't have the same fairy tale. No. He wouldn't have the same mythology. He wouldn't have the same... I mean, he, in, in some ways, he'd be starting again with their fans. He'd have to kind of win over the fans all over again. He's, he's got so much credit in the bank with And he us. knows this. Like, yeah. And I, I don't think I've ever known a player have as much credit in the bank with set <laughs> yeah. fans as Kane's got with Spurs fans. It's absolutely insane. Like, I would... I would... There's so many things I would do for Harry Kane. <laughs> like... Tell us. Yeah. I mean, I would take. I, I would. I would. I would take a, a speeding ticket for Harry Kane. Give us some more. I would. I would <laughs> don- donate ligaments. Yes. I would. You know. He doesn't want your knees, mate. I've seen your knees. That's that's a fair point. He definitely doesn't want my knees. But like, yeah, he's not going to get this adulation from Paris Saint Germain fans. He's just not. Look what happened with Bale at Real Madrid. Yeah. I was just going to say exactly the same. All he needs to do is just... Bale won three cup finals for Madrid on his own. And they hate him. I, I tweeted <laughs> and he spent the next and, three years miserable yeah. as fuck. And they hate him. They they will not remember him. I, I said Bale for them will be like Stambouli for us. Just just a person who yeah. once played for us. So just take a look at what what's happened to Bale. And he has the opportunity at Tottenham to create something which will last for generations and generations. And people's great-grandchildren will be talking about Harry Kane, the greatest goal scorer in Tottenham's history. Whereas Gareth Bale, no one will remember Gareth Bale at Real Madrid. And I think if 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 we're going to win anything, and I think we can, and I think we will win stuff over the next few years, because I think we're that good as a as a collective still, and we're a sustainable football club. I think we need Harry Kane to to do it. So if I were Daniel Levy, I would I would be thinking, I've been really sensible with my wage structures over the years. I've been very cautious. I've lived life a sensible man, but this time I'm just going to give Kane whatever he demands to stay for the next five years at Spurs. Just get it done, Levy. Just just give the, throw money at him. He deserves every penny and he'll repay it in spades. You've been listening to The Extra Inch. Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Bardi for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. 
Thanks to David Lindmer for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud D Lindmer. Do check him out, he's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.